0: Welcome to Theology on the Go, a brief interview podcast from placefortruth.org. Place for Truth is a website of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, which we'd encourage you to visit. After the podcast, listen for details on how you can receive free resources from the Alliance. As you can probably hear in my voice, I'm a little under the weather today, but I am nonetheless very excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Chad Van Dixorn. Dr. Van Dixorn serves as Associate Professor of Church History at Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., and as Associate Pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church in Vienna, Virginia. He has a magisterial five-volume work on the minutes and papers of the Westminster Assembly, and has recently authored Confessing the Faith, A Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith, published by Banner of Truth. He's here to talk to us about the Westminster Confession. Welcome, Chad. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I want to start with this. Although many Reformed and Presbyterian denominations today subscribe to the theology of the Westminster Confession, it is a a 17th century document. So why was it originally written, and who wrote it?
1: Yeah, that, that that's a, a great starting point, Jonathan. Um, it it was written because uh, the Westminster Assembly, a gathering of theologians meeting in the 1640s, was tasked with taking a second look at the Church of England. And uh, when it did so, it began to revise aspects of the government and liturgy, And doctrine of that church then a bunch of Scottish theologians and delegates came and joined the assembly and it it made it harder uh, for them just to revise documents of the Church of England given that Scotland was going to be using these texts as well and so in the end they created a new confession of faith which they thought would be uh, unambiguously biblical and reformed
0: so what debates were there I'm sure there were many, but what were some of the major debates among those who were originally responsible for its writing?
1: So, <laughs> the, the answer to that, a legion. Uh, and, and debates, discussions took place on on every chapter of the Confession, 33 different doctrinal and practical topics. Um, and so, some of these discussions uh, proceeded a little bit more smoothly than others. Um, so so not, not a lot of controversy that we know when it comes to the definition of marriage. Uh, it was pretty, pretty simple. Um, not a lot of controversy when it came to uh, expounding our Christian liberties. This is just a beautiful passage in Chapter 1 that lists... Uh, many of the benefits and, and uh, blessings we have through Christ when it, when it comes to, to challenging topics like clearly articulating the doctrine of God, not saying too much, not saying too little, there are, there are debates there, the doctrine of justification and and, and how to understand the atonement there are, there, are, there are debates there about which which kind of model which uh, which rubric is is, is best to undergird this pivotal doctrine, and so on.
0: Were there many dissenting voices after the statements were agreed upon? So it sounds like you're talking about debates about the wording of the statements. Were there a lot of dissenting voices in the Assembly about those issues
1: afterwards? No, no, Jonathan, um, but but there's no time in which all members are, are asked to subscribe to the text. They vote paragraph by paragraph, um, chapter by chapter, and in the end they vote to send the whole thing up to uh, the Houses of Parliament that commissioned them to do this work. That 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 decision to send up the confession um, is it, not the same as saying that every member uh, would have put every line if they were to write it themselves and have their own personal confession of faith, not to say that each one of them would have had something to tweak in every chapter, much like you or I might want to write things in our own words sometimes, but that's not really what a confession is as a broader purpose.
0: So what are the major theological emphases of the Westminster Confession of Faith? What's the sort of structure of it? What are the major themes as you see it in this confession?
1: Yeah, yeah. So so he, here's, here's a book that, uh, here's a 12,000-word document that tries to uh, outline who God is as he's revealed himself in his world, but especially in his word. And then traces the, um, the, the great themes of redemptive history, you know, the grim realities of the fall, um, God's gracious covenants with man. Um, the, uh, the, 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 promises and then the fulfillments found in Christ, the redeemer. Um, and, and then the outworking of that redemption accomplished in our lives. How, how do we, how do we partake of this? There's chapter after chapter that speaks about the benefits that come to us as Christians in Christ. Uh, justification, adoption, adoption, sanctification. A beautiful big chapters uh, outlining the the glories of the faith. Um, Jonathan, one of the things I really enjoy about the Westminster Confession of Faith is that it goes beyond outlining statements about salvation. I, I'm just so grateful to meet a Christian who says, "You know, the Lord has saved me. I'm so thankful for that." Um, but it's great when a Christian knows that that salvation is comprised of of her justification and her adoption and the ongoing work of sanctification. And then kind of drills down into the Bible enough to realize that justification involves the forgiveness of our sins and the the crediting of Christ's righteousness to our accounts. And, you know, since the Bible has so much material for praise, it's great when we can kind of break that out and, and reflect on that. I mean, some people think this is, um, theological megalomania to write these many words mm-hmm. in a confession, but I, I, I think they're just enjoying uh, producing lots of material for praise. That was a long answer, probably too long. Uh-huh. No, no,
0: that is, and it leads right into my um, my next question, which is, as you've studied the confession, and you've devoted a lot of your life to yeah. studying it, and I'm thinking yeah. especially as you prepared the reader's guide, were there particular sections or turns of phrase that you found especially arresting or of some special spiritual benefit personally?
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. Um, I've already alluded once to chapter, uh, to the chapter on uh, Christian liberty. I just think it's glorious reading what the Westminster Assembly has to say, they, uh, I, I, I find it, uh, it is this is chapter, chapter 20, paragraph 1, I, I find it refreshing every time I read about the liberties which Christ has purchased for us under the gospel, our freedom from guilt and sin, from the guilt of sin, our freedom from the condemning wrath of God, the curse of the moral law, uh, being delivered from this present evil world, bondage to Satan and dominion of sin, the evil of afflictions, the sting of death, the victory of the grave, and everlasting damnation, free access to God, and so on. Um, so that, that's one of the chapters that, uh, chapter 20, paragraph 1, is, is is one of the sort of golden sections. I, I, I like the section on, on adoption as well, and the conciseness of... Uh, the summary of justification when it's stated positively and not just negatively. It's great. Great stuff.
0: That is great stuff. Well, last question. What is the value of using a creed like this today? It does seem, and you alluded to this in one of your earlier answers, it does seem much more detailed and specific than many evangelical church doctrinal statements that we see today or ones that have been formulated in the last... Fifty years or so. So, what's the value of a creed like this?
1: Yeah, great, great question. And uh, I think I'd answer it like this: uh, First, it's honest. Uh, we all believe things. Uh, it's it's great to spell it out and uh, to proclaim it to the world uh, in a fulsome way. Second, I think it produces uh, peace in the church. Um, if a church has a creed or a confession rather than just a few uh, bullet points on a website, when someone steps into the leadership of that church and they have a broad uh, consensus of uh, biblical exegesis and doctrine that they agree on, they're really setting themselves up to be in a position of strength um, rather than a a position of ambiguity and weakness. Um, I, I think a confession like this is uh, great for the unity of the Church, not just the peace of the Church, but it's unity. It reminds us that Christianity wasn't invented last Tuesday. Uh, we have something in common with saints gone gone past, things of the past, rather, uh, as, as well as uh, brothers and sisters around the world, uh, many thousands, many tens of thousands, um, who uh, confess the same faith in, in such richness. And then finally, as I mentioned earlier, um, a text like this uh, trains us uh, to, to think more deeply about God and gives us a material for doxology, which, which I think is, is the biggest deal of all.
0: Well, Chad, thank you very much for taking time to speak with us about the Westminster Confession of Faith, and thank you for your recent book, which again is Confessing the Faith, a reader's guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Thanks. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast of placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's church. Theology on the Go is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Our ministries include placefortruth.org, the Bible Study Hour with James Montgomery Boyce, and events such as the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology and various Reformation Societies. To learn more about the Alliance, visit Alliancenet.org or call 800-488-1888. Just for listening, we'd like to equip you with free resources. Visit placefortruth.org to find a link to those resources. And listen next time to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.